This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The founder of this company, 10 years ago, was trying to sell his house and went through real estate agent after real estate agent, and they were all talking a great game. And this guy who is selling his house, the founder of this, uh, this company, he's, you know, he's kind of an important guy and kind of, you know, should get the best treatment. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company, and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. We have a 1,000 agents across the country, and they are people that listen to this show. And so when you go through real estate agents I trust, it's sent to somebody who already, you already know their sensibilities. They already are cut from exactly the same cloth. There's got to be a better way. There is. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Billy Hallowell and Chris Field, The Church Boys. From the sublime to the ridiculous, but mostly ridiculous. I hate these guys. I just, you know, read living and I actually, what, what were, we were just playing for you was audio from Jason Howard, (laughs) Jason Howerton's um, fight. And it was not a slap slapping fight period because the other side, that guy was, he was beating the hell out of Jason. Jason was slapping the good old Um, butt whooping. Jacko, that was his name. Jacko, Jacko Willick. Yeah. Well, Jacko Willick was awesome. Jason, however, <laughs> repeatedly slapped to let him know that he couldn't breathe, <laughs> and that was that was exclusive audio. <laughs> I just loved it so much because okay, so Jason stupidly, which is redundant, right? But Jason stupidly <laughs> challenged Jacko Willick, a former Navy SEAL. Like, I think he's. Like a, his he has an official uh, badass card, right? I mean, and I shouldn't say that sort of thing on church boys, but he's got he's he's just he is just one tough son of a gun. I mean, you just look at him and you go, "Well, this man's a monster. <laughs> he's an animal. He's like worst." I mean, if if you were to if you were to say, "What kind of person would make your nightmares?" That would be him. I mean, he's just, he's just, you just look at him and you know he's fierce, right? But I think he's a, a good guy too, obviously. But he's a former former SEAL and he's a like a mixed martial arts kind of guy and does training and, and he's been training for like more than 20 years and he's just, a, just tough as nails. I mean, I think he eats rocks for meals. I and, just love anybody who wants to beat Jason Howerton up and anybody <laughs> who Jason Howerton up. Jason asked for this. He was like, please, please beat me up because I want to be a star on Facebook. So, yeah. So he he challenges Jocko to this to this grappling match. Right. They were going to challenge on something else. And then 
I think I think Marcus Luttrell is responsible for this. I think he egged Jason on to challenging to challenging Jocko to a, a grappling match. I think we can blame or thank actually thank Marcus <laughs> Luttrell for this. I'm gonna tweet him and thank him, Marcus. Thank you for the entertainment. I, mean, I think it, I mean I I don't know for certain certain anyway. So Jason challenged Jocko a couple months ago to this grappling match and grapple and Jocko accepted and so they they did this. They uh, had their grappling match. I think in San Diego this week, and um, it was actually we put it on Facebook Live, and it was fantastic. And it's it's on Facebook now. You can watch and you can watch it on the Blaze. And the video has been viewed like eighty two thousand times or something in less than twenty four hours, like in less than twelve hours. <laughs> people just really enjoy, people <clears throat> people message, sending us messages saying I'm in a room full of strangers and they're all putting their money on Chaco. <laughs> I mean, they're just, everybody's rooting for Jason to get his butt kicked. Well, it's like when you watch a, you know, you watch the spider weave their web, right? <laughs> and then the little beetle gets caught in the web and is struggling to get out. And the spider is just sucking the guts and blood out of that um, <laughs> oh, you you know, beetle. That's what this was like. Oh, it's... Well, and then he, so they get going. But the beetle like, would have been slapping in that analogy. Right. So, the, so they, they're doing a grappling match, which means they're, they're not swinging, they're not kicking, they're not doing anything. They're just grappling. And Jason, so, the, so when it starts, Chaco, <laughs> Chaco gets on his back and just lays there on his back <laughs> and lets Jason attack. And so Jason jumps on him. I mean, like, like springs on him, like, I was reminded of when I watched this, it was like me, I, I wrestle with my kids all the time and my five-year-old son loves to wrestle with me and he'll jump on me and we'll grapple, you know? And it reminded me of that. I'm like, this has got to be what it looks like to my wife when my son and I wrestle. Because Except your son is a little bit more skilled. <laughs> my son does very little slapping. <laughs> so so Colty, my son will just jump. And so Jason did this. He made this move. Jago's laying on his back waiting for Jason to attack. <laughs> and Jason jumps, but has his like his arms tucked like that. How would you describe this? Like he jumps like this. Um, and he just kind of I would jumps and his like arms a are, praying mantis well, he's just hopping. Like, like jump. He's trying to protect his body. Anyway, oh my goodness, I was just laughing and laughing. Oh, it's so, a real. It was a pathetic display, but an it was, amazingly it was really, successful numbers it was grab for the blaze. Quite embarrassing. Um, I mean, I know that I wasn't gonna waddle over and have and put myself in that position, so. I'm fine that Jason was the one that sacrificed himself so for a few clicks. He lost it. He lost to Jocko eleven to nothing in just a matter of minutes. It's just a matter of takedown. Once there's a takedown or a, a tap out submission, tap out or whatever. <clears throat> then it, you, um, you know, so anyway, so Jocko yeah, the first more, one mortifying for Jason, wonderful for the boys so, audience. The first one, Jocko's on his back, right? So then after that, they do it standing up. They, they start each little grapple match, whatever. I don't know what the terminology is. Standing up. And then Jocko, toward the end, decides he's going to lay on his back again so that Jason can attack him. And as Jocko's getting down and not looking, as his back to Jason is laying <laughs> down, getting ready to lay down, he's laying back, clear back like this. Jason launches, and it's like it's this. Jason's going, sneak attack. <laughs> he's the dumbest dumb in a good way. Um, so, but, you know... I think really what we've learned from this is that <laughs> Jason's willing to do anything for attention. And, and, What's next? And Jason has the strength of a kitten. So. <laughs> kitten? What's next for Jason? I don't know. <laughs> uh, um, listen, church boys, listeners, uh, tweet us what you think is next for Jason oh, Howard. That would be great. 
Speaking what of, do you think he will do for speaking of call, a bit? What? Calls to action for our listeners. Go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating. Period. It just helps yeah. out. It just helps us out. And after you're done with that, go to endtimesanswers.com and buy my book. Do that too. So, so do you want to? We have. I have this queued up. They they had a little interview with Jason and Jocko at the end of this. Do you want to hear it? <laughs> this is my favorite part of the whole thing. Yes, I want to hear it. <laughs> Other than the slap fight, and the slap fight is funny. Jason acting like a five year old. Other than Jason slapping, this is the best. Okay. How'd it go? Uh, we'll start with you, Jocko. <laughs> you think you won? <laughs> yeah, I think it was a decisive eleven zero, fairly decisive victory. Uh, but yeah, you know, really, honestly, it's just. Uh, because I've been training for a long time and I have that skill set, you know, it's something that anybody could get. It's not because I'm special. It's just because. That's Jocko being nice. <laughs> and not saying Jason's a candy. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually Morris code for Jason. You're too pretty for this. Jason, Jason. Jason's a Nancy. All right, here we go. I trained for a long time doing this. <laughs> and if, if the roles were reversed and he'd been training longer than me, You'd be doing that right there to me. That's the no. way it works. No. If I look no. like this and you look like that, <laughs> no. yeah, no. I'm more than happy to get a 135-pounder in here right now that will show me what it's about. Do you, they'll do you worse than I just did you. I hear you. Do you want that? I do not. I got guys standing by that are hungry. I've had enough of Jocko for one day, and I don't need anybody else. On a scale of... But before this, before this, this is about this is about to get my fa- favorite question and answer. <laughs> All leading up, like the last week leading up to this, Jocko has been tormenting Jason. I mean, he's been playing he's been playing the role of mean guy, disinterested, you know, just ready to kill somebody. But it was all a role. I mean, Jocko's a good guy, and it was all in good humor. But I'm old enough for Jocko. And, and now he's like being nice to Jason, which is which is what he does. I mean, I mean he's, he's a great guy. He, he did, is, didn't and he's beat him hard enough. And this is what you do. when you own a gym or you or you run a gym. This is what you do. You encourage people, and that's what he's trained to do. And that's what that's really who Jocko is, anyway. Percentage wise, how much effort did you give what just happened? On a scale of one to one hundred, not, not much. I mean, it's just, like I said, it's, it's a very technical sport. Not much. And he pauses. He pauses. And he goes, hmm. Not this. much. Have that skill set. You know, it's something that anybody could get. It's not because I'm special. It's just because I trained for a long time. Play this, this again here. And if, if the roles were my... reversed and he'd been training longer than this me, you'd be doing that right there to me. That's the way it works. Even if I look like this and you look like that, yeah, I'm more than happy to get a hundred. Oh, I wish you would have to. Right I wish you to suck the whole one in. Do you, they'll do you worse than I just did you. Oh, I would pay for that. Okay, do you go. want that? I do not. I got guys standing by that are hungry. I've had enough of go. Jocko for one day. This is my I favorite. Anybody else. On a scale of percentage-wise, how much effort did you give what just happened? On a scale of one to one hundred, not much. I mean, it's just not much. He wasn't even willing to give a number. It was so low that it wasn't even on the scale. They don't know what to do. They don't know where to put their pressure. They don't know where oh, to use man. Strength. It was just when you know stupid. It was just gold. You know where to put your strength. Uh, but well, I mean, kudos to Jason. He went and did it, and and Jocko too. I mean, they played they played along, and they did great. And it was, and it really was <laughs> it really was a bunch of fun. And I encourage you, if you get a chance, go on the Blaze and find this video because it is hysterical. Because Jay, I mean, it's just, and as much as I love Jason, it is hilarious to watch him just. Like a, it really is like a five-year-old fight. It was father. like, remember the prancer size video? It was like watching somebody <laughs> prancer size trying to escape. <laughs> uh, let's well, uh, let's take a break and we'll come right back and, let's talk, and we'll talk some Trump. Is that all right? I have a cough. All right, now let's okay. do it. Well, let me get the iPad right here or the soundboard here. No, 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 no. The founder of this company 
10 years ago was trying to sell his house and went through real estate agent after real estate agent, and they were all talking a great game. And this guy who is selling his house, the founder of this, uh, this company, he's, you know, he's kind of an important guy and kind of, you know, should get the best treatment. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company, and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. We have a thousand agents across the country and they are people that listen to this show. And so when you go through real estate agents, I trust it's sent to somebody who already, you already know their sensibilities. They already are cut from exactly the same cloth. There's gotta be a better way. There is real estate agents. I trust.com. Back to the dark. Church boys. So Billy and I were talking earlier today because we, we got a piece up uh, about Donald Trump and some polling numbers that actually came in this week that are, are good news for him, though not overall great news for the Republicans or good news for Donald Trump. And Billy's pretty sure that Donald is is unbeatable, that he's going to win this thing. And we're going to get I into wouldn't a, say unbeatable, but I think he's probably going to win. You now this now see now you have taken a different well I would never use the word unbeatable because anybody's beatable but I think hands down he will win except for the two hours that we were talking before we recorded you repeatedly said he's unbeatable I don't okay I didn't mean to use that word I do think he's unbeatable this election season but as as an entity he's beatable someone can beat him this is the this is the only election season this is the only he's going to beat Hillary I think he's going to beat Hillary so then for this election. You believe he him to be, un, yes. be unbeatable in this election? Yes. Okay. So there's there's numbers that came out, and there are a lot of whole there's a, you know it's the whole Never Trump movement, and they want us they want to stop Donald, and and that's fine. They're they're welcome to do that, you know. And you've heard us criticize the the uh, incredibly religious sounding Never Trump movement, but he has a, 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 a there's a Gallup poll that came out. Oh, I guess Thursday night, and it's uh, his favorables are actually up to sixty six percent, which is a record high for Donald. He's never registered above sixty three, and that was clear back in September. So he's up to sixty six right now, up from from about fifty in early March. So in the last two months or so, two and a half months, he's gone from about fifty up to sixty six percent. But he's got a thirty percent unfavorable rating. Mm-hmm. And which my mother in law's in there, which, which would appear, which would seem to be. Uh, very good Major. news for him, and it is good news for him, right? But if you look at where they stand, where he stands in comparison to previous nominees at this same time in the election, now, granted, this this primary went on longer than previous primaries, <coughs> so there's there's that there's that going to be that lag, and that's that's something important to keep in mind. But at this point in the nominee in the in the in the race in previous with our previous nominees, so Trump's at sixty six percent right now in mid May. Mitt Romney in mid-May was at 82%, 82% in mid-May and got his butt whooped and a 13% negativity, negative rating. John McCain at this point, well, a little bit later in late May was at 84%. And George W. Bush, who, who wound up winning, but narrowly at this point, at about this point in 2000, was at 87% favorability. Where's Hillary right now? I don't know. I don't care. I'm no, just she's, curious. Well, uh, the, but the, the polling was of him. Let's see if I can find anything about Hillary. Can here. I let me make Go a ahead. point about this? Yeah. N- which other of those Republican candidates was a former businessman slash reality show combination, right? That to the level of what Donald Trump was. Donald Trump carries a lot more baggage 
than most of those other guys did culturally. So even yeah. if you're not into politics, here's my point. Yeah. If you're not into politics and you ask somebody what they think, there's a much stronger chance that they might have a negative viewpoint of him right. because of that, I would think. Now, that polling that I gave you was among Republicans. That's the really scary part is his polling is that low among Republicans. Not, yeah, they're, not, still, they're not, still pissed that Cruz isn't the candidate. Right, not nationwide. Now, the only numbers that we can compare as far as Hillary goes is if we, go, if we look at national numbers. And so according to Gallup, Trump's national Forget party, just national numbers. He has an unfavorable rating of 60 and a favorable rating of 34. So he's yeah. he's got a negative 26. Okay, negative 26. That's Trump nationally. Hillary has a negative uh, has a negative of 39. Uh, excuse me, a negative of 55 and a positive, a favorable of 39, which is a 16 point negative. But they're not that far away negative. from each other. Well, they're 10 points. Scary. I mean, that's that's fairly. I mean, they're they're not horribly far away because it's five. She has a five point advantage in unfavorables and a five point advantage in favorables. So my point is, Trump. it's going to be much easier for him to increase his favorables than it is for her to. I would think. I think so too, because she's a known entity. Everybody has hated her for a long, long time. <laughs> right, right. He has room to grow because. There's something about Donald Trump. He's absurdly charismatic for being such yeah, a creature. He is. And, and that's the thing that drives me nuts is because it, right now I'm not a never Trumper, but right now I'm a not Trump, right? Like I'll just not vote. <clears throat> and, uh, but I'm willing, like I said, I've told you before, I'm willing to be convinced, but right now I am not convinced. Um, well, I'm right where you are. This is right. where we, we've been on the same page about this. Right. Um, but he's there, there is a, an available, uh, a possibility that he could convince, he's not going to convince you, but I wanted to say, when I watch, like he's speaking right now at the NRA convention, it's being carried nationally right now. He's speaking at the NRA. There, when I watch him speak and I listen to him, there are a lot of times I go, oh, just I like this guy. And the fact is, I like him as a celebrity. I like him as someone who's out there as a celebrity saying the things that he thinks. I don't like him as a presidential candidate. I think he's a breath of fresh air just within the media, not as a presidential candidate, not as a leader. Well, here is the thing about him, and you know, people have talked about this endlessly. That I do think, yes, he's had his failures and everyone likes to point them out, but any successful business person has their failures. Right, right. A business person who knows what they're doing and can make money, which he is a business person who can make money and has known what he's doing and has had failures and yep. has manipulated the system to yep. benefit himself, yep. by the way, which he's admitted in terms of bankruptcies <laughs> and things like that. Right. Um, this is somebody who might be able to delegate things. And if he can yeah. sell that angle to the American people, it doesn't matter how competent he is necessarily in terms of understanding all those issues as long as he can tell us that he's going to delegate it to the right people. Right. Now, Hillary I thinks she knows all the issues. Right. That's the difference. I don't have a problem with him having failures because you're going to have failures. I don't think that I don't I, I think that the failures of his his business fails failures are legitimate things to bring up. His bankruptcies, his failed projects, you know, Trump University or whatever other nonsense he was running, the silly gimmicky things, the get what the get rich quick schemes, that kind of stuff. I think those are totally legitimate to bring up. However, those are not the things that concern me. The things that concern me are authoritarianism, are, are fascist impulses. Not that he's a fascist, but that he has those impulses, that he's an authoritarian, yeah. that he's a brute. The and shield I, laws, the journalism shield right, laws, I, those things. Those, those yeah, things, yeah, those th that's where I'm concerned. That's where I'm troubled. And the fact is that he's a liberal <laughs> on just about everything, or at least has been at one time. 
can people change? But if he them? wants a second term, right. he's going to have to. This is the point, right? right? The safest time for Donald Donald Trump vote right now for a conservative would be now when he has to have a second term. Look what happened to Obama in his yeah. second term. Yeah. Oh, suddenly loves gay marriage right before yeah. his second term. Suddenly tra transgender everywhere. You know, yeah. this is it's a totally different Obama than what we got before. That could still happen with Trump, obviously, yeah. in his second term if he were if he were given one. Yeah, I suppose. But so you're pretty sure that he's going to win the nomination, yes. right? And yes. Glenn has repeatedly said, he's going to win. He's going to win. I'm not so convinced. I've long held that he can't win or won't win. I, I, shouldn't say can't, I shouldn't say can't win, won't win. I haven't at times, admittedly, I have said he can't win. I still think that he won't win. I shouldn't say that he can't win because you just never know what can happen in a race. Something could come out about, you know, Benghazi or some, or the, the email situation with Hillary or whatever. Something could happen. There's always something that could happen. So I just, but I don't think that he will win. I think that he won't. You're pretty sure that he will. And in fact, you said he's a I'm certain that he will win. You're certain that he's going to win. So that's well, not said, really. I just wanted to say that, but and, I'm, I'm and, pretty sure. Okay. And Glenn is certain that, that Trump is going to win, which is fair. You, what, you say whatever you want. I don't care. Your opinion really doesn't matter. It's your vote that matters as far as America goes, right? So I wanted to go to the 270 to win, excuse me, dot com site and just do a blank map and let's. Say what states you think, excuse me, Trump or Hillary is going to win. And I don't want you to look, I don't want you to look at the map because I don't want you to know how many electoral votes are there. Because what matters is electoral votes, electoral college, not national popularity. As as uh, Al Gore uh, knows and cries himself to sleep on his giant pillow every night. So <laughs> I, I'm going to name a state for you. You tell me who you think is going to win it. And then we'll <laughs> see at the end. Where your tallies are, okay? All right. Whatever. And now, and now, don't don't hedge your bet. Say, well, I got to give him this one because I need the I need the electoral. Election. No, what do you? Who do you think is going to win that state? Okay. Okay. And I know your your argument is everything's out the window because it's Trump. Listen, you got to pick something. Who do you think's actually going to win a state? All right. Now, I'm just going to randomly pick things. Let's go. No, not randomly. There are some that are going to be obvious, and there's going to be some that right, are, we can do it. we discuss. Okay. So first one, Maine. Mm, Hillary. Okay. Uh, New Hampshire. Hillary. Vermont. Hillary. New York. Hillary, but I think he could, he could take it, but I think it'll be Hillary. It's, it's a given. It's going to be Hillary. Massachusetts. You never know that. Massachusetts. Hillary. Rhode Island. Hillary. Connecticut. Uh, Hillary. New Jersey. Maybe Trump. I don't think so, but maybe. I'm going to go with Trump. Just so I know it's going to be a different, but you know, Trump. Let's say You're Trump. You're going to say Trump for, for New Jersey. Okay. Delaware. Trump. Really? Yeah. See, you're cheating now. Okay. Maryland. No, I'm not looking. I promise. Okay. Maryland. Um, Maryland. Hillary. Uh, Washington, D.C. Hillary. Hillary. I mean, that's a given. See, I disagree with you on New Jersey. Now, Delaware, no, Maine. But... I want to go back to Maine. Maine. I'm gonna. I'm gonna stay with Hillary. Okay. Continue. All right. <coughs> uh, Pennsylvania. Trump. Really? See. Yep. See. Now you're just cheating. West Virginia. Trump. Virginia. Trump. Really? Okay. Yep. Well, that's a possibility. I don't agree on Pennsylvania, but whatever. It's that's. I just don't. I don't think that New Jersey, Delaware, or Pennsylvania. The can blue collar Democrats are going to vote for Trump in Pennsylvania. That's my prediction. Okay, 
New, uh, North Carolina. Trump. South Carolina. Trump. Georgia. Trump. Alabama. Trump. Mississippi. Trump. Tennessee. Trump. Kentucky. Trump. Ohio. Trump. Indiana. Trump. Illinois. Billary. Louisiana. Trump. Arkansas. Trump. No, no, I'm sorry, Hillary. You think Hillary will take Arkansas? Well, I don't know. That's possible. You know what? I'm going to give it they to Trump. They have a history there. I'm going to give it to Trump. Okay. Because maybe they, maybe they feel that she abandoned them for pantsuits in New York. Continue. <laughs> Missouri. Trump. Florida. Trump. Really? You're pretty yeah. sure on Florida? Yeah. Okay. Everybody over the age of 50, which is 90% of Florida, is voting for Trump. Continue. <laughs> all, the, all those New York liberals are voting for... Okay. And all the Hispanics, so that's fine. Yep, Trump. Okay. Uh, Iowa. Trump. Minnesota. Trump. You have... Now, see, now you're just not even playing the game. You're Now you're just screwing with me. You're trying to nope. screw up the numbers. You don't nope. actually... Okay, fine. Continue. Trump. Wisconsin. Trump. You're just so delusional. Michigan. Hillary. Really no fun to play with you when you skew things like this on purpose. Texas. You're anything. just a jerk. Oh, fine. Trump. Fine. O- Oklahoma. Trump. Kansas. Trump. Nebraska. You're Trump. such a jerk. You're making this not fun. Dakotas. The two Dakotas. Essentially Canada. We'll split them up. We'll give one to no. <laughs> no, Hillary. We'll, I'll give them to Hillary. You're not. No. See, now you're not. Even, fine. We're not even going to play this game. I don't care. Fine. It doesn't matter. None I, of these I, numbers I don't matter. Care. None of them matter because fine. Trump we're not is playing. I'm not even. Gonna, you know what? I'm deleting this. I'm not even going to tell you what the numbers are right now. Fine. I deleted Trump it. I can't say. See? Because you are delusional. You don't actually think he's going to win Minnesota. I think you. You're just saying you're just such a jerk. Trying to have fun. Trying to do something different, and you just ruin everything. I'm <sighs> hungry. Anyway, speaking of hunger, just a second. You're such a jerk. We're trying to do something different. And Billy's going to just try to ruin it because he knows he's going to be proven wrong. <laughs> yeah, New Jersey and Delaware are going to go to Trump. You're de- Never you're, know. You're, Never know. I know. Minnesota and Wisconsin. To tr- what if Chris Christie's his VP? <laughs> then it'll wind up being Chris Christie because he's going to eat Donald Trump. Oh, my God. All right. All right. Well, what are you trying to do? Oh, you, awkward transition. Speaking of hunger... There's a gay cake controversy (laughs) (laughs) that I love. This is my favorite gay. We've done so many gay cake stories, but this one is the best one. And we covered the initial one, the pastor, the openly gay pastor, Jordan Brown, who went to get the cake. And he claims that Whole Foods wrote um, Love Wins Fag on the cake. And they wrote Love Wins, but I don't they're claiming they never wrote Fag on it now. He has apologized over this whole controversy, this scandal. He went to a law firm. He was suing. Now he's dropped his lawsuit and apologized, saying that Whole Foods did nothing wrong. He's dismissing his lawsuit. He was wrong to pursue this matter and use the media to perpetuate this story. So he doesn't flat out say I lied, but kind of sounds it, like well, he's and, saying it was true. Yeah, he's saying that it wasn't true That because they counterstood and they could wipe him out. They could wipe him off the map. But he says... His lawyer says, or a statement from the company, a statement from the company from Whole Foods. Mr. Brown admits he was in sole possession and control of the cake until he posted his video. 
<laughs> which <laughs> means, love his story. which means, without having admitted it, he's saying yes, I wrote those words on there. No, but can we recall how they saw they cracked this case? Uh, the NRA endorses Donald Trump. Wow, breaking news. Yeah, anyway, the great. Um, the, re- the way that they figured this out was that they looked at the security footage of him buying the cake and the UPC code um, was on the top of the cake when it looked it looked like it was when it was scanned out mm-hmm. in his video. He shows the UPC code being on the side of the bottom of the cake. So the the idea was that maybe the UPC code was moved and the cake was tampered with. That was kind of so the, is, that, what, is that because the UPC was the seal on the box to show that the box had been unopened? Is that the point? Is that what they're saying? Well, yeah, basically, but, but I don't know because I, I don't know if it sealed it. But they were basically saying it's not the same. It's not the same box. It's not the same UPC code because he showed the that it was. Yeah, yeah, he showed the UPC um, sealing the box up in his video, I believe. Okay. So they were basically saying, look, it's moved. The UPC code is not the same code that we put on it, right. which was brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's the best. Just, it is the best story well, ever. Yeah, and it's and and the fact is. And the Whole Foods people are better than better people than I am, right? Because they could have, they could have just said, you know what? We know we're not going to get anything from this guy. We can't make any money off him, but we're going to teach people a lesson. You just can't do this. You just can't go around and, uh, around and lie. They could have kept their countersuit and just sued him into non-existence. Period. And they, they did, could have. They just dropped it. They said, you know what? It's over. He made these wrong. He made these wrong. Look bad for the company, though, right? It, like, it does. But isn't there? And and Whole Foods is one of those companies that always wants to have a good image, and I get that, and and I respect them for that. I totally respect them for that. But is there a point, if you're a business owner, is there a point that you say, you don't do this, and we're going to make uh, we're going to make you an object lesson for everybody else who would think about doing this? I mean, yeah, is there I a point, is there mean, a point I, that you get where you do that? I don't know. Well, he had been sued allegedly by his former college. Um, oh yeah, a few weeks, a few weeks before this whole thing happened, there was a, this other lawsuit that like slippery had, rock so, or whatever. Right, so that makes people think, oh well, was he doing this to try to get money that, to right. pay that lawsuit off? He hadn't paid. He had, allegedly had not paid tuition. Gotcha. Anyway, <laughs> what are you gonna do? <laughs> okay, there is a spider problem. I see another one. I think a spider delivered babies in my office. So are they just you're just seeing little itty bitty spiders all around? Black your spiders everywhere. I've killed four of them today, and then the mother I killed too. I'm and I think one was just on my neck. Look, I'm feeling it in my collar. <laughs> Wait, why would freak out? She said, "Well, we have to. Well, we have to move. We have to move." <laughs> um, my wife can't handle spiders either. She screams, which sends a great message to our three and a half year old who Same now is my, afraid of spiders. Yeah, all, all of my yes, yeah, all of my kids fear spiders now because of my wife. And she's talking. Andrea, my wife screams runs flips out doesn't matter if it's the middle of the night right. like if she sees a spider that's it we get those creepy crawlies here yeah. we call them they're like um centipedes cockroaches they're centipedes oh, we okay. don't have cockroaches thank god but they're centipedes and they're okay. huge and they live in the walls oh and fun. well i won't tell the story because it's absolutely vile tell it all right so i will all right so when we lived in our former apartment we had them everywhere and they were like giant like i'm talking three inches huge <laughs> like amazon size yeah, they were disgusting, and they move really fast. So, yeah. I I took one, and I don't know. I have this habit: if I'm going to kill an insect, I have to look at it before, like when I do it. Yeah, I don't know why. So, like, I I scooped it up. I caught this one. I scooped it up in in a um, paper towel, and Andrea was watching and flipping out because she can't handle it. And I squeezed it to kill it. Yeah, and this is actually really gross. It exploded into my eyes and on my face and into my mouth, <laughs> like the guts of it, and 
Andrea <laughs> saw the whole thing happen. And what does she do? She doesn't rush over for support. Uh, she starts bawling her eyes she out. She started crying? Yes, because it, it disgusted her so much. Poor Andrea. <laughs> we laugh about this now. Poor Andrea. Bawling her eyes out. Oh, what, bawling. A, what a sweetheart. She's just so sad. She's concerned about your health. No, she was concerned oh. that she had to kiss and lay in a bed with somebody who she had that close so, of an so, interaction. So disgusted. She <laughs> was so <laughs> disgusted that she broke down in tears. And of course, we're like Googling is what is in this. Like It was just, it was in my eyes. Like right. it was it was out of a movie. Yeah, it was horrible. Remember I, remember, I think it was last summer when we were recording and suddenly my wife is screaming about a spider and she, I go, she's spraying it with a squirt gun or something. I don't remember. Oh yeah, Andrea picks the weirdest thing, like like whatever she can get her hands on that will kill it the quickest. Last night there was a little spider in the bathroom. I'm in the family room watching a show or reading a book or something and my wife is across the house in the in the in our master bathroom. Honey, you need to come here. And she was frozen. Like she wasn't going to leave the bathroom cuz she was going to keep an eye on this. She's yelling at me to to get up and come to It's like you could have just smushed it. She said, no, you'll have to use a shoe or something. You're going to have to get something else besides just toilet paper to kill this thing. That's There's just something a little, wrong a little spider with people. about that big, about a, centimeter, about a centimeter in diameter. And she was frozen. She just stood there against next to one of the sinks and just watched that spider just to keep an eye on it, make sure it didn't disappear. When, if, so she wasn't going to come get me. She just was screaming to me from across the house. Why do you think that they're so? These women are so afraid. I know there's men who are too, but what, why? What's the fear? Inferior genetic material. All right. With that said, we should actually go into an interview, I think, don't you? So we actually talked with a couple of great people this week. And the first uh, person that I think we're going to air the interview for. Yeah, we're going to start. We're going to start with uh, the pastor, Robert okay. Morris. All right. Uh, now, he's got a new book out. He's the pastor of Gateway down in, in Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. Brother of uh, you didn't know this brother of Philip Morris, the cigarette magnet. You're ridiculous. Um, <laughs> not really. I'm just kidding. He's not. Actually. So anyway, Robert Morris has a book out, and it's all about, and I, which is a great topic, how you, when you when you are looking for God's voice, how do you hear it? And, and that sounds like abstract and whatever, but I think a lot of people have those questions. Like if you have something big going on in your life, you're looking for a message of what to do. Mm-hmm. How do you know when God is speaking to you? How do you know when you're making the right decision that is God's, in God's um, view, not in your own? All right. And so that's what we spoke to him about. Cool. I, I say you roll it. All right. Roll it. It's Billy Hollowell here with the Church Boys, and I have Pastor Robert Morris from Gateway Church down in Dallas on the line. How you doing today? I'm doing great, Billy. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. And you've you've got a lot going on. Uh, one of the things you have is a new book out, a recently released book called Frequency, Tune In, Hear God. And I think, gosh, this is a topic, and we were just talking offline before the interview, that is so important for, for Christians. And I think it's a topic that it, it's always been on people's minds. You know, how can I hear God? What does it mean when I'm hearing God? How do I know the difference between my voice and, and God's voice and, and all of that as we navigate through increasingly complex, I think, cultural um, you know, conundrums that we're facing here in, in this country. But it's always been an important issue. So yeah, I wanted to I wanted to dive in to the title a little bit, and I just touched on it, but it's kind of a fascinating title considering what's going on in culture. There's a lot of static and confusion, and so I think the first open-ended question I would throw your way, you know, how can people hear God in the midst of all of that chaos? Yeah, you know, uh, the, the title came from uh, uh, really thinking about radio or television or 
even the internet, you know, there, there are voices out there, there are pictures, and uh, if we tune in to the right frequency, uh, we can hear the person that we're trying to hear. Uh, but you can tune into another frequency, you know, you could tune into maybe a Spanish-speaking channel, and although I think Spanish is one of the most beautiful languages, um, I would only be able to catch a few words, you know, like if they go to the bathroom, I might catch baños or something, you know, so, but <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be real tough for me to understand, and in the same way, we're being bombarded just daily with voices and images and uh, even, uh, you know, just from the enemy, uh, but does God speak today? Yes, absolutely. The Bible starts with him speaking to his kids, Adam and Eve, in the garden. It ends with him speaking to one of his kids, John, on the island of Patmos. And every uh, chapter in between, almost, it seems like he's talking to Abraham or Moses or Deborah or Mary, the mother of Jesus. He's talking to someone, and I believe there's just no doubt that God's character, he never changes. God is a speaking God. He's a communicative God. He created us with the ability to communicate, and he wants to communicate, and he doesn't want to just communicate the big things and the instructional things, which he does want to give us guidance and instruction. I think he wants to talk to us just because we're his kids, he's our dad, and he loves to fellowship with his kids. Yeah, and I think so many people, you know, the struggle that I'll hear from from some people is, you know, well, they'll say, I've never heard God directly. I've never heard a voice in my head. I've never heard him audibly. And not everybody, I mean, some people will say and that they have heard God, um, you know, and, and then they, they try to figure out, well, how can I hear him? What does it mean to hear him? What would you say to those people who really want to, but they're not really sure what that means or how to do it? Sure, and that, that is very, those are very, very good questions, and uh, I think sometimes we have a misconception of how God spoke in the Bible. Uh, you know, Elijah described it as a still, small voice, and uh, Moses, you know, was talking to a, a, a bush <laughs> on fire and said, who are you, you know? Right. Uh, and Gideon, then we know Gideon's fleece, he said, show me a sign that it is you who talks with me. Well, they, it, what it shows me is they had to believe by faith that they were hearing God's voice. And and Hebrews 11 is, is just filled with by faith, by faith, by faith. And I guess if, if, if God had spoken in this loud, booming voice and your hair went straight back, you know, on your head like we see in the cartoons, I, I would think Hebrews 11 might say by fear, you know, by fear Abraham did this because <laughs> he was scared to death, you know. Uh, so I think they had to hear by faith. I think we need to trust that God speaks in our spirit we might have a thought in our mind to send someone a card or a scripture, and then we hear back a few days later, they say, you know, that's the exact scripture that I read in my quiet time that day. Well, you know, there's 31,103 scriptures. I couldn't have picked that out, but God was impressing me. He was guiding me. He was putting that thought in my mind. He was speaking to me, and I think if we take away some of the misconception or in the mystery. Uh, of God speaking, we'll understand. We, we've been hearing God for quite a while. We might not be recognizing that it was God who was speaking to us. Yeah, I think that's interesting, too. And, and I think a lot of people would say they've had those feelings. You know, you feel that something is the right thing to do. A lot of times, you know, whether it's a job decision or something that's going on in somebody's life, trying to figure out where does God want me to go, 
you sometimes have those feelings. I think the other challenge uh, is you know, how do you know when the feelings are yours? And this is a bigger question now with where we are in culture, I think, that the feelings are your feelings or God's feelings, right? Or God trying to tell you something. I think people can maybe mix that up. So how can people know? Yeah, and, and I, I want everyone to know that that's a great question, and it's not a, uh, anything that intimidates God, and it's not even anything that offends Him that you say to Him, how can I know that this is you? Uh, we're, we're really not even questioning, you know, that God loves us and He's speaking to us. We're kind of questioning our own ability, and, and He understands that. So He didn't get offended when Gideon asked for a sign. And, uh, you know, the scripture says that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. And so the, this book goes into the theology of God speaking, but also goes into the practicum of him speaking. And it goes into that it is not only um, okay, but it is right to ask God for confirmation. And just to cover briefly three confirmations to know we're hearing God, number one is, does it line up with the Bible? If it doesn't line up with the Bible, and not just one verse you, you kind of pulled out of context, but the the, the, con, the continuity of God's Word, uh, God will never say anything that contradicts His Word. So does it line up with the Bible? Number two, does godly counsel agree? And that doesn't mean that we just keep going to people till we find someone who will agree. But godly counsel would be godly people, people who are mature in their faith, people that know the Lord, know His Word, and here's something good, people that know us. They know our impetuous nature sometimes, and so they might be able to give us that godly counsel to slow down and make sure we're, we're headed at the right speed. So does it agree with God's Word? Does godly counsel agree? Number three, do we have peace? Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. That word rule means umpire, uh, from a Greek sporting event, actually. Uh, and what it's saying is, uh, let God's peace determine whether you move forward or not. And that's that feeling that we have. Uh, let, let God tell us whether this is safe for us to move forward or let's get this out of our lives. And I always say to people, if you don't have peace, stop. Yeah, that's it. That's an interesting, wow. Yeah, that's a really interesting um, point of advice. And I guess the, the other part of that sort of an offshoot of that question is what shouldn't we ask God for? Right. And it's another open-ended one, but I, I think there's so many things we want to ask God for, and there's so many things we do ask Him for. What should we have, What shouldn't we be asking for? Well, I think uh, James talks about that uh, we, when we ask, we ask for selfish motives, um, and uh, I, I think when we ask for selfish things, obviously we're not praying according to God's will. But I want to emphasize that you know it really doesn't intimidate God when we pray the wrong prayer. Uh, he can change our motives, change our thinking, uh, help us to understand that we're just being selfish during that time. Uh, and God can put the right kind of thoughts and desires in our lives. I think the main thing is that he really does want to communicate with us. He wants to talk to us, and he wants us to talk to him. You know, you can't even imagine, uh, you know, uh, Billy, if I called you on the phone and I talked for about five minutes straight, and then I just hung up real quickly without you having a chance to say anything. And if I kept doing that every day, and I called that our time together, you'd stop thinking. you start thinking it wasn't our time together, but it's just my time, you know. Uh, and I think we do that in prayer many, many times. Uh, listening to God is the second half of prayer. And when you look at all the times God spoke to people in the Bible, the most important things 
was not really what they told God, but what God told them. Yeah, no, that that's that's fascinating. Now, as for the book, what are you hoping that readers will take away? You know, what's the big, and I have a sense of what that is, but a big takeaway for frequency, tune in, hear God. Well, uh, the, the thing I want them to do is to actually mature in their ability to hear God. You know, um, uh, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And so sheep are born with an ability to hear the voice of a shepherd. Uh, We are born again with the ability to hear the voice of our Father. But we still need to learn, and we still need to grow, we still need to mature. Children are born with the ability to communicate, but we have to teach them words and sentences, and they have to learn, but they also have to mature. You know, like we say to our children, uh, no, no, we don't, we don't ask Grandma how old she is. You know? <laughs> so we have to mature in our ability to communicate, and and we it's okay to learn, and that's what books are for, and that's what listening to sermons are for, and teachings, and talking with friends who are older and mature, more mature in the Lord. So that's what I want them to do. I want them to first of all know that God does speak today; He wants to speak to them, and then I want them to learn the ways that He speaks. And learn I, again. I, I I outline some very practical ways to learn to hear God's voice, and then I want them to be able to mature in hearing God's voice. Well, I love it. And um, you know, one one last question for you. Um, I'm just curious because I mean, you you've got a massive church. I think you have you have well over thirty thousand active members. I believe there you have a huge church, and you're you're seeing so many things on the ground there. You know, and we also have this bizarre sort of cultural situation in America going on where there's a lot of transition, a lot of change, and a lot of static. Um, when you look at all of that, do you think it's becoming harder for believers to um, understand this message? Do you think that there's just so many competing messages? What kind of trends do you kind of see happening right now with the church? Or or no, is it is it just a matter of people buckling down. It just seems to me that there's so much more competing out there in terms of messaging when it comes to, you know, God and, and faith. Yeah, I think uh, there are a couple things. One is it's, it's getting busier. Our world's getting busier. Uh, we used to all have a home phone and an office phone, and now we have a cell phone that we carry with us nearly all the time, uh, and we can get an email or a text uh, from any person in the world at any time. Um, we've got uh, so many television channels, so many uh, internet outlets. So I think it's it's harder. I think the thing we have to do is is uh, slow down. We have to value hearing God's voice because we make time for whatever we value, uh, even if it's a hobby that we have or uh, if it's a person in our life that's special. We make time for that because we value that. In the same way, we've got to value hearing God. And so making time to slow down in the mornings or whenever that time is and spend some time in God's Word and pray and talk to Him and listen is extremely important. The other aspect of what you're saying is uh, we've got a large church, and there are a lot of large churches now, And but our society, you know, the things, the laws that are coming out and the things that are being discussed, we never thought these things would be discussed now, the darkness that's in the world. It reminds me, though, of my hope is the ninth plague in Egypt, darkness covered the whole land, but the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. I believe that darkness is increasing, but boy, you look at the churches and what's happening and the believers now and how strong they're getting, light is also increasing, and that's my hope. 
Well, this has been great. I thank you so much for, for coming on, and we'd love to have you back to talk more about these topics and appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much, Bill. It is wonderful to be with you. The Church Boys. The Church Boys. Man, I hate these guys. All right, so while we're recording, while we're playing that interview, I run to, I, I have to quickly get up because I got to pee like a Russian racehorse. And I, so I jump up off my dad on my desk. And, and as you know, Billy, my office has, I have these French doors that lead from my office out into the family room. And I yank on the door and my son has taken the dog's collar and wrapped it around the doorknobs of my, <laughs> the exterior doorknobs. Summer my... has started at the field residence. <laughs> Well, he's he's not in school yet. He's just a little preschooler, but yeah. And so I well. yank it open and pop the doorknob right off the door because <laughs> I didn't know they were on there. It's like because I'm in a hurry, I'm about to wet my pants. <laughs> I run to the door, boing. Oh my gosh, aren't so, kids a joy? They are. They are. They're also expensive. Oh, they are. Mm-hmm. And they, like, I feel like they just break things to break them. Like, Ava touches things. My third and a half, she touches things she knows she shouldn't touch. And the other morning, it was so annoying. <laughs> I love her so much, but, like, everything she could have dropped, she dropped. Like, everything. She wanted crack crackers with cream cheese, which is, like, this new delicacy that she's obsessed with. <laughs> so she had a bowl of them that I put together. Mm-hmm. And there's somebody at Billy's basement <laughs> glass door. How's it going? I'm just recording it. You're just recording something. You're working over here? Oh, I have that. You're the middle of um, of talking to someone in the who's yeah. come to his back door and is apparently hawking something. I'm not sure what. I, I got your text. So I don't know exactly what's. Thank you very going much. on here, but um, I'll go ahead and fill this up. Get some details from him as he as he returns. Not exactly, not exactly. Sorry, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure what Billy's doing. Oh, he's back. So that, <laughs> that guy is my friend. He's he's actually a plumber and, and he just, like wait, he just wanders around in people's backyards. No, he's knocking at their because he knew that the book came out. Anyway, okay. Um, <laughs> Ava just drops crap everywhere. That's the bottom line, and it's terrible. Um, she dropped milk. She dropped crackers. It was like the morning of dropping things. And you know, you're like trying to rush. Mm-hmm. Are you drinking Ovaltine? What is that? No. Why don't they call it round teen? That's gold, Jerry. Gold. No, it's it? my wife just, as you were over there talking with your sketchy friend who knocks on people's basement doors, uh, my <laughs> wife brought me a smoothie that she made for lunch today. Uh, hopefully there's a uh, hemlock in it. Um, all right. Well, what were we going to do? We had a plan here. Oh. You want to talk about the Methodists. Yes, the Methodists who, well, the Methodists, like many other denominations, are experiencing um, some divisive issues within their ranks. And this is the United Methodist Church. They have their general conference that um, actually, I think, is ending on today. The day that we're recording here is the 20th. I think it ends today. It went for 10 days. Um, one of the big issues at the general conference, which this is, it's a big deal because it's only held once every four years. So they kind of have to get in what they're going to get in and you got to wait right. four more years. The big battle is, are they going to split over gay marriage? Right. And right. Um, you have a lot of pastors who are just not listening to the rules. They've been ordained in the United Methodist Church. They're doing whatever they want. They're marrying gay people. Um, so, and 
so okay, so that's explicit. That's explicitly against the rules, right? Yes. I mean, yeah, if I read your piece correctly, yeah. that's the the church is very clear. You are not allowed to be homosexuals. May not be priests, and you may not marry homosexuals. Right. Is that yes. correct? And the and the and the, the church doctrine is very clear. The rules are very <laughs> clear on that. Is that correct? Yeah, shared so fidelity do, between a man and woman. It's very so specific. So how do these people um, still have their jobs? There's actually a line, the practice of homosexuality is incompatible with Christian teaching. That is in their right. book of discipline. How do they have their jobs? Well, that's the question, right? There's so many of them doing this that the question has been, do they need to split off? Does well, there why, need to well, be— why, hasn't, well, why haven't they already been ejected from the, ch- from, from the church as far as employment goes? Like, you can attend here. You can't be a member, and you certainly can't be clergy if you're a practicing homosexual. I mean, this, well, I think part of the problem is that, look, some of the congregations are fine with it. So you would then have the problem where you have churches that are fine. It's not yeah, like the but, churches are rising up. But like the church, I happen to go to the Church of the Nazarene. You would have your credentials pulled, I think. I mean, well, that's what you would be, be de- or you would you would lose your ordination. Under their rules, that's what should be happening. So why so, isn't it happening? Well, here's what they they had to come to some sort of solution on this. So they really couldn't. So rather than split right now, what they've decided is to come up with a commission that will assess the rules on sexuality and i think they're just buying themselves time but why haven't they over the last because (laughs) this has been going on for years now right why haven't they before this point before this discussion of splitting the church before this discussion of do we change our church doctrine and teaching on homosexuality and marriage before all of this discussion is happening now why haven't they because this is again it's been happening the last several years not just the last couple but the last several years why haven't those people been fired or lose their ordination from the Methodist Church who are some blatantly have, violating the rules. Some have, I think, but I think it's gotten to the point, you know, the day before, the week before this, um, you know, general conference started, there were a hundred of clergy members right. and leaders in the church that came out in an open letter and said right. that we're gay or lesbian right. or transgender. So you then have that dynamic now. There's a lot of, I think really they have to split. I don't see what the solution is for them because... Mm. There, the church will have to continue on with its with its traditional roles and and others. Now, look to their credit, what they've done is they've come up with a two year plan to assess this on a commission. A lot of people, both sides are claiming victory. Right. Other denominations, as we know, have just endorsed you know, Presbyterian Church USA, the Episcopal Church, United Church of Christ. They have all endorsed gay marriage. So. They, they, they have not done that yet here mm. in this case. What they're doing is, I think, trying to buy time to figure out a way to deal with this. Um, and so, you know, it's a mixed bag, really. The vote was 428 to 405. So that's a pretty close vote. And that vote was to create this commission, which they have done. Now, I don't know what comes next. Um, but from what I'm hearing from people, and, and this is just random people I've talked to in, in the United Methodist Church, that that there may be enough people to prevent gay marriage from actually being. But look, you wait four more years, you wait two more years until that commission's done. It, there may be even more support but for so, gay marriage. But I mean, if they do, if there's not a church split, if they just say this is what the church believes, this is what we're doing, <coughs> will they then stand by their rules and fire these people? And fi- by fire, I mean say, you know what, you are no longer ordinate ordained by our church. I mean, is that something that the church is willing to do and stand up? stand up for you know i don't know i i would i would say that what has happened with pcusa is that people have left and they formed a new denomination called eco um which is a more conservative denomination it would be interesting to see a church double down and say no we're not doing this and you can all go and form your own denomination if that's what you want that's Um, that's where that's where i'm disappointed and listen 
If your organization believes this, believes X, regardless of what it is that you believe, and then everybody within your, not everybody, a large portion of the people within your organization, again, regardless of the topic, regardless of the issue, if a huge chunk of people within your organization decide we're not going to do the rules or stand up for the things, or we're going to violate the things that you say you believe, why aren't why shouldn't they be the ones shown the door? Why aren't they the ones who have to leave? Well, I think the problem is this is a voting thing, right? So it's it's about a democracy within the church, and the and when the church says, but if the um, but the church has already had this vote already years and years and years ago when they set up the rules the to 70s, begin with, yeah. right? And they didn't, yeah. and 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 their problem is, I think, is they didn't adequately enforce it. They didn't say if you have a problem with this, leave, rather than saying. Okay, we'll acquiesce to your desires, and the people who have a problem with this new policy have to leave. Um, I just saw a Blaze headline that made me stop okay. in my tracks. Oh, I'm no. sorry. What happened? Um, what is up? Oh, local reporter out covering a story. Oh yeah, when apparently this. number two just couldn't wait. Yes. <laughs> let's you know what? Let's get to that after the next break. Well, let's run this next interview. Let's do this next interview. I'm appalled. All right. So we also dropping the guy we'll, dropping the deuce. <laughs> we'll get to the deuce, but we actually had a great conversation with John Luke Robertson, who's the only I think Robertson we haven't talked to at this point. Well, Miss K, we haven't talked to Miss K. I'd love to talk yeah. to Miss K. Um, but John Luke Robertson, the 19-year-old son of Corey and Willie Robertson, who just got married um, and just started college and is a celebrity at college and he goes it's like if you're going to go to college and you're a robertson the one place where you're going to be the biggest celebrity in the world is liberty university Mm -hmm. so of course that's where he's going (coughs) so we talked about the challenges of that he has a new book out young and beardless he's he's bmoc i mean he walks around campus and his i mean his poop doesn't stink (laughs) he's like if i ever get lost it's like people can help me easily like i'm looking around (laughs) they're like oh john luke oh you know like they know who he is he doesn't know who they are um, we had a really good conversation, though. He's got a great book out, Young and Beardless. We ask him why he doesn't have a beard. And you know, everyone else in his family does. Will he ever have one? So we get some key can he, answers on that front. Can he grow one? I'm not going to spoil it. You'll have to hear what he has to say. Roll it. Hey, it's Billy Hollowell here with the Church Boys podcast. And I have John Luke Robertson on the line. How are you doing today? Hey, doing great. Good to be here. So, well, thank you for coming on. So you have, um, and it's funny because I've talked to your sister, your parents. I think I've interviewed a lot of people in your family. I've never had a chance to talk with you. And you have a new book out, Young and Beardless, The Search for God, Purpose, and a Meaningful Life. And we're going to dive into that. But I have to ask, why no beard? Why do you not have a beard? Do you have any interest in ever having a beard? Fill me in. I do have interest in uh, growing a beard. It's my face is. My face just isn't with the program. <laughs> so, so would you? I mean, would you be able to do it if you wanted to? You think, or would it just take fifteen years? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, right now, I mean, I can get a little something, but it's just kind of scraggly and not, not. I wouldn't <laughs> even call it a beard. So, in uh, like fifteen years, will you have a beard if you can get one to grow? I hope so. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. So let's talk about you. You got married. You had a lot of things go on in the past year in your life, a lot of big things. You've gone to college, but you got married, right? So those are two huge, huge things, events Mm -hmm. in in people's lives. Um, You know, and it's funny because I got married when I was, I think, 23 or so, so a few years older than you. 
But at the time, I mean, I live in New York, so at the time, everybody's like, whoa, what are you doing? You know, I mean, half of our friends, I'm 32 now, and half of our friends still aren't married, more than half of them. You know, it's just different regions of the country, people wait longer. Um, what, what has been the reaction to you getting married young? Uh, it's been very different reactions uh, from just what you said, different regions. You know, everyone in the South, you know, I mean, we're young even for the South, but <laughs> everyone is super supportive. I think when my dad, when I told my dad I was going to propose, his uh, first words were, why'd you wait so long? <laughs> well, your parents got married young too, right? Right, right. They and it worked out great for them. Also, yeah, they were 18, 19 as well. Well, and I think there, for some reason there's like this assumption that that can never happen, that it will never go well, that you shouldn't do it, which is interesting because I'm, I just, there are lots of people who do get married young and who are fine. And now you guys though, you had, a, you had another big change. You went to college, right? To, and you're going to, you've right. gone to college together, right? Right, 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 right. So first, yeah, we go to Liberty University. Great school, great school. And I guess let's first start with how, how did how has marriage changed your life? Because um, it's a big change. You, know, you meet somebody, you marry him, and your life is together. What what are some of the big changes you guys have had as a result of that in your lives? Um, I think that's a hard question because there's been so much other change as well. You know, I mean, we got married, we went to college, but moving, we moved 16 hours away, so. You know, and then we had to find a place that, a place to live without, um, you know, that wasn't on campus. And so we had to, as a result of marriage, logistically, it's been a nightmare (laughs) because we can't rent cars or or, uh, hotels. So Yeah, that's, oh yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, the car thing is weird. You have to be 25, right? Right. Yeah, you have to be 25 during a car. And most hotels, you have to be 21. So, yeah, so being married this young and having to figure all that out, that's been hard. But uh, other than that, I think it's just really opened my eyes to a lot of who I am. Yeah. Uh, you know, I had a, um, you know, we may talk about this further later but I had uh, I had I was having dinner last night with a friend and she described um me and her were were together and she just she said marriage is like a giant microscopic mirror or a giant (laughs) mirror that uh shows every all the worst parts of you it's true and I thought that was so true (laughs) Well, someone's telling you now, right? They're saying you do all these really obnoxious things, and you're like, oh, wow, I didn't realize I did that, or I thought that way, or I acted that way, but now someone's telling you because they're seeing it every day, right? Exactly. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> is it is it weird? Because, yeah, I mean, it's hard. it is hard to answer that question. When you get married, you go to college, and you have all these changes going on at the same time. Is it weird for you guys, because you're, you're celebrities, right? And you're on a busy college campus. Do you get bothered a lot by people at the school? Do people ask you a lot of questions about your family? You know, what is that dy- that dynamic like? I wouldn't call it bothering. <laughs> I mean, we do get stopped a lot. We do talk <laughs> to a lot of people. Um, 
but not so much at the end of the year as at the beginning of the year. But uh, in some ways, it's kind of annoying. At first, the first of the year, I was late to every one of my classes. But uh, towards the end of the year, I really started to appreciate it because I got to meet a lot of interesting people. And it was easy to figure out where I'm going when I got lost or find me Kate because I always had someone to, to ask questions to. Because <laughs> every time I, I seem remotely lost, someone would be like, hey, Jonica, are you lost? What do you need? <laughs> it's like they know you, but you don't know them, right? Which is Exactly, yeah, exactly. And it's funny because Liberty is the audience. Like So many people at Liberty are Duck Dynasty fans, definitely, right? So it's not like just any college. You kind of went to the college where that is the audience um, in so oh, many yeah, ways. That is, that is our demographic. Right. That's who we target. <laughs> exactly. Well, I love it. Now, are you how, – how does filming go? Are you still filming with your family? Like how does – because you said you're 16 hours away. Right. Well, we – so we missed uh, filming for – we missed the first half of filming while we were in school, but now we just moved back to Louisiana for the summer. So we just got started filming again. Very good. Um, what has been, and then I want to, I want to talk about the book, but what has been the most rewarding thing? I mean, you've, you've in so many ways over the past few years, especially grown up through your teen years on TV, having people watch you and, it's difficult. Any any level of fame is difficult because there's a microscope on you. You know, we talked about marriage, the microscope of marriage. You have the world kind of looking at you, and you know your family, very strong Christians, sort of the polar opposite of what you expect to see in Hollywood. But here you guys are out there. Um, what what has been? We'll start with the most rewarding, then we'll talk about the most challenging. What's been the most rewarding thing about that growing up in the public eye like that? You know what. Uh... I just thought of this as you were saying this, and I, was, I haven't, I haven't said this out loud before. So <laughs> we're just gonna go for it, and we'll see how it sounds. Go for it. Uh, I feel like almost how in the good part of, I guess you could say, like being famous or slowly stuff, or like how we grew up with everyone watching, and. Uh, and all these people know me, I feel like in some ways, and especially at Liberty, in some ways, the good parts are I feel like how heaven is going to be like. Everyone is going to know everyone. Um, but you're also always watched. But it doesn't really matter because uh, in heaven, your character is going to be so good that you're going to, like it doesn't matter that everyone's watching you. Right. But I feel like it's just that everyone is everyone. Everyone loves everyone. And, like, I love, I really try to love the people who come talk to me. And I know, like, they're huge fans and they love uh, love me. And so, like, I feel like the loving, the knowing everyone, the, the being aware that, like, you're being watched and that you're a part of something bigger than who you are. I feel like in some ways that is just a small glimpse of what heaven's going to be like. I like that. That's that's interesting. I mean, is it ever challenging? Are there ever challenges to that? And that's sort of the other part of the question. What are the hard parts? Because that can, you know, look, everyone has a bad day 
And it's like you have a bad day and you're frustrated and then people meet you on that day and it's like, oh, wow, John Luke is, you know, so, not that you would ever be this way, but John Luke is such a jerk. But it's like, no, I just had a bad day, right? I mean, is there is there anything like that that happens with the fame that is challenging for you in any way? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's the <laughs> other part. You know, unlike having, like, we are, you know, sinful and screwed up and we have bad days. And, uh, so that is the most challenging part. And I hear... I hear uh, people who meet other, like, celebrities, and sometimes they're like, oh, you're such a jerk, or, like, something like that. And I I know, I'm like, I probably aren't. They probably just caught them, you know, whenever, like, they haven't, they've been working, they haven't slept, and then it was just, like, the one time that they, uh, that they, like, couldn't take a picture, you know? And, like, I know... I know there are people out there who, who totally think I'm a jerk and think I just stuck up and everything. And uh, and so that, I, you know, at some points in my life, that was hard to deal with. But yeah, no, for I sure. I realized this is part of it. For sure. And so let's talk, let's talk briefly about the book here, Young and Beardless. Sure. Why, why did you write it and what are you hoping people take away from the book? I wrote it because I felt like, uh, uh, especially young people, that really anyone, um, especially young people of my generation, have a lot of really big God-given dreams um, to change the world. But we get so caught up in, uh, you know, what if it goes wrong? Or, or it, we get caught up in, like, when I have more money, or when I get married, or when I'm being college, then like I'll do it. But right now, like I'm just me, so like I can't, I can't even begin because the dreams seem so big. And so I talk about. Um, uh, so the book kind of goes through a lot of big dreams of mine. So it begins. And at the beginning of the year, or beginning of when I started writing it two years ago, um, I had a lot of dreams, but some of them were get married, uh, start a business, go to college. And so then throughout those two years, I would try to accomplish those dreams. And I did. And so I talked about that, and like, kind of like, what I did and how I started and when I started and things like that. And it's not so much like a how-to, but just like a, this is kind of how I did it. So I love that. No, I think that's great. And what are your hopes, you know, once you guys graduate from Liberty, what are you hoping to do? I have no idea. That is, you know, that's too far away. I never, uh, I never would have thought I would be here now, you know, where I'm at now. Uh, so I have no idea what I'm going to be doing. Well, I love it. it. Keeping it open-ended is, is good. And you have a lot of options, obviously. <laughs> you know, so yeah. it's... it's uh, All right. Last question for you, and then I'm going to let you go. Hunting. Hunting is a huge thing for your family. Are you a huge hunting fan yourself? I'm not the biggest, you know? I mean, I can shoot a gun, and I can... And I, and I take it out as a kid. I really enjoy being outdoors and in nature um but 
I wouldn't say hunting is like my thing. <laughs> well, I love it. No, look, it's yeah, hunting. I, I'm intrigued by hunting, but I live in New York, so nobody really hunts like around here. But um, yeah. my but my family did growing up, and I think I think it's really interesting. And it, but I was curious. I was curious how much are you as into it as your dad is and as your family is. And you would say um, not as much. Yeah, I would. Say, yeah, not as much. Not as much. Well, listen, I definitely enjoy it, but not. I, I'm not a. You know, I don't get out every day. Well, listen. This this has been been great. I appreciate you coming on, and we got to have you back next time you're in New York. We'll have to get together and appreciate you taking the time, and we'll make sure we link out to Young and Beardless so everyone can check it out. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, I really enjoyed uh, doing this. Thanks a lot. And now, back to the church boys. They're a real pain in my ass. All right, we promised, uh, we have to, we do need to get going. Billy's got other obligations. I, however, don't. In fact, I'm just going to go take a nap when we're done. But Billy has big, important things to do. And we promised before we get out of here, because he discovered the story on The Blaze. I can see uh, it now. Oh, that's sorry. Apparently, there's an autoplay. There's an autoplay video on this. Excuse this me. Awful cough. Anyway, so there's a there's a story that's on the blaze right now that um that I knew existed, but I forgot to tell Billy about about. Well, Billy, what was your impression when you saw the headline? Um, <laughs> I was a little taken aback. Um, when and I'm gonna read the headline again. Local reporter out covering a story when apparently number two just couldn't wait. <laughs> Nature um, called. I mean. So this guy's this guy in Arizona is covering a story, <coughs> and he's in this neighborhood, and he hits apparently wait, really has to drop wait. a deuce. My favorite part is she saw him gather up some papers from the news van, walk around the side of a house in the neighborhood where he was reporting, and relieve himself while leaning against the outside wall of the house. <laughs> Did he bring a bag to bag it up? No, he's just saying, I don't know. He just said he's grabbed some papers. I don't know if that means like newspapers or what. <laughs> wait, wait a the police officer wait the police officer's account of the conversation was that the reporter allegedly said i know what you want to talk to me about i've been feeling very sick and i've been stuck in this van all day all day so here's he, my question why didn't you just do this wait he could go to jail for this uh excuse me ma'am ma'am uh, could i use your bathroom he didn't even didn't even <laughs> occur to him what occurred to him what what occurred to this genius wasn't I should go knock on someone's door and see if they'll let me use. Excuse me, ma'am. I'm a local uh, uh, news personality, a celebrity. You may have seen me before. Uh, he didn't apologize and asked to use the bathroom. He thought his his instinct, his first thought, his idea of this would be the smart thing to do was I'm going to go poop in somebody's yard. <laughs> but I can't. He could actually face twenty five hundred dollars or six months in jail. Yeah. Because it's gross. Is that? But it get, is gross. Thrown is in that, jail, just thrown in jail for just the grossness factor. What if he? <laughs> what if he bagged it? Would it have been like as big of a deal? And that's the thing is like, <laughs> like dogs. Poop, dogs poop outdoors. People and they poop out, and you don't go to prison for a dog pooping outdoors. Now, if you just left it there, I suppose you can be fine. But I don't think you face six months in jail if you leave your dog's poop out there. And dog poop. I is wonder. A, I just I don't. don't I mean, I'm not saying that this is okay, but what I am saying is six months in jail is a long time for a little crap. <laughs> maybe it was, maybe he dropped a big old load. Listen, it I reminds can't do me this. of an old I, fire marshal bill sketch, but I can't be a part of this anymore. I'm ready for the weekend. Okay. <laughs>
<laughs> Stupid show. <laughs> I gotta poop. I gotta poop real bad. <laughs> I love that he just leaned against the house, allegedly. I don't know. And that's the thing is, I don't know if like, he's like copping a squat and he's got his back against the wall. So it like holds him up so that he can cut. So he's like in a sitting position. Or Maybe he was really or sick. Or if he's bracing himself against the house. Wait, but what happened to the papers? What, I don't know. I don't know if that was for... I don't know if that was for cleanup of himself or cleanup of what was on the what, what he had deposited. I don't know. This is really gross. It's really weird. <laughs> but it just it just kills me that he's in a neighborhood. It's not like he was out in the middle of nowhere. He's in a neighborhood, and the neighbor saw him, and the neighbor lady said he could have just come to the door and asked to use the bathroom. I would have let him. Very, yeah, very so. strange. All right, we better get going then because you got big important things to do. Any advice for the people out there, William? Um, eat your Brussels sprouts. Because <laughs> that'll keep you regular. Goodbye. Can you imagine? I, mean, I can't imagine. It's, I just, it's foul. I mean, I could see you doing something like that. Well, maybe on the side of the road, but... Like on a like, scout trip when there's no bathroom. But in somebody's neighborhood? I mean, I would have called. I, was, I just wonder if she went and investigated it after she thought she saw it. Like, how was she sure? And what's that 911 call? Like, we should ask for the... The Church Boys.